0: Welcome to Squandlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton. Today, I'm talking to Jo Casey, who says she's here to help artisanal business owners think coaches, makers, healers, make more money without compromising their values or sacrificing their well-being, which sounds great. We're going to be talking about asking people for money. But before we start, I'd like to give you a little nudge towards my blog, I write a short blog post each week at MarthaLawton.com about topics similar to the ones we cover on the show. If you enjoy this, you'll probably enjoy that. Okay, so let's get on with the show. Joe, welcome. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Thank you
1: for having me. Um I'm Joe Casey. I am I sometimes call myself an accidental business coach because <laughs> I <laughs> well, I kind of fell into it because I found Most of the business advice that I was finding out in the world and on the internet just was really, really unhelpful. I didn't see myself in in any of it, and so I kind of took a very experimental, aka fumbling about in the dark, approach to building my own coaching business. And then after a while, people started asking me, "How did you do that? And how can we make that easier?" And so I'm I'm quite fascinated by this idea of how those of us who are not what you would typically think of as business owners, you know, that kind of besuited, I'm a, I'm a tiger, but that, that kind of quite aggressive, <laughs> um, besuited business type person, how we go about making a living, um, you know, without working for somebody else, with working for ourselves. So that's what I do. I help people do it with keeping their values intact without exhausting themselves. And yeah, I, I love talking about those kind of slightly sticky, slightly messy things like how do we ask for the money and how much do we charge and how do we feel about that? And yeah, I, I, I love it. I could talk about this kind of stuff forever.
0: Amazing, amazing. Um, well, if we go longer than a squanderlust. episode normally is, then you can just come back another time. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Why You know, you don't have to give us all of your gems this time. There are always opportunities to come back. And you have your own podcast, right? I do. Yes, I'm the host of the
1: Unshiny podcast where we talk about you know, How do we go about doing things in a slightly more authentic and genuine way, especially when the world tells us that we have to be a certain place, have, have to be a certain way kind of you have to be shiny and polished and have it all together. And what about those of us who aren't shiny and polished and we maybe don't have it all together, but we still have loads to offer. And I love having those conversations about them, the slightly messier, slightly more nuanced aspects of running a business.
0: I'm sure from everything that you've just said that our listeners are immediately seeing why they might want to listen to your show and why it was that I wanted to bring you on and and how aligned Um, the squanderlust approach is with the unshiny approach because there's so, so many relatable ideas in that Mm. already. Okay. So let's, let's get into this idea of asking for money. Um, cause it, it's, it's a bit of a sticky one, isn't it? How, what do you see in terms of kind of your clients responses to this idea of like making the ask?
1: It's really interesting because for, for, for most of us, we've, or well, certainly for most of the people that, that that I work with and you know, my friends and my family, we're quite used to being in a, a job where somebody will come along and, you know, once a month or once a week or whatever, we'll give you some money in exchange for the hours that you have worked. And that's something that most of us are, are fairly comfortable with. But when we're running a, a small business or running our own business, and especially with the people I work with who tend to be service based businesses, so coaches that you know the mm. yoga teachers that the you know the counselors and people like that it's then becomes this very personal thing of mm. asking for money in exchange for something that i do and rather than it being oh you do this job and you do it for this many hours and we will pay you this amount it suddenly becomes much more or can feel much more of a reflection of our own personal value as a human. And that comes bashing up against all kinds of internal stuff and, you know, societal stuff and cultural stuff. And then because I work with predominantly with with women and and people within, Mm -hmm. I suppose, kind of healing and caring professions Mm -hmm. in, in a way. And they're things that traditionally we have been encouraged to do for the love of it. You know, they're vocational Mm. and they're they're good things to be doing in the world. And so a lot of people carry baggage into that around, well, I shouldn't really charge too much for that. If I charge money for for my caring, for my love, that sullies it somehow. And so we have this whole mass of mixed emotions that can come into play when it comes to simply asking for the money in exchange for our services i see this happen with people who have product based businesses as well it's not just the service-based ones but i think it's particularly Mm. acute when it's you know it's almost like here's a little piece of me i would like some money in exchange for that please and then you get into well what's the value i place on me and oh yeah it's it's a whole kind of ball of gnarly stuff for a lot of us
0: yeah, I I agree. I agree. We did a past episode on charging for your time and setting a price for your time with a guy called Jasper Lyons, which is well worth checking out. Um, I think there's something even before you even get into how much to charge, just the getting over that hurdle of just asking at all, sometimes, especially in the modern internet mm-hmm. world where there's so much happens on kind of a freemium basis. Like when, when you switch from freemium to charged, that in itself is, is kind of blurs that line. And then suddenly you come up to, no, no, at some point I really do need to make some money out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that can be a a kind of a pause for people.
1: Definitely, because... And and the market has changed a lot over the past decade. So, five six years ago, you the, the the kind of model that a lot of people worked to and it worked pretty well was you you gave a lot of free stuff, and people signed up for that in you know on mass, and then you could have stepped services because you didn't have to charge very much because you had lots and lots of people in your community. So maybe you were going from free to say £25 or from free to £45. And if you had 100 people buying that for £45, that was a decent chunk of change. It's much, much harder to get those large audience numbers now from the free stuff. People aren't as, I I, I have this, this, this phrase that we're not struggling for information. What we're struggling for is clarity. In fact, we're information saturated. There's so much information. It's more about, well, what should I do? Mm. Rather than um, you know, just show me how to do that. Because we can Google things, we can look on YouTube. There's so much free stuff out there. And people are much more discerning about what they will give in exchange for the, their email address. And yet, there's still an awful lot of, of people who are being led to believe that if I just give away a load of free stuff, then my people will come gravitate towards me and then they'll, you know, they'll become part of my community. And then I can do that though, very kind of low cost offers and and step it up that way. And that's a fairly straightforward way of doing things. It's much, much harder to do it now. And so what you're finding is in order to make a business more viable, you either have to work much, much harder to get those large numbers into your community or, Mm with my people you have you have to charge you know you can't be charging forty five pounds for a product you you just have to sell too many of them to make it viable so yeah for your, your services you have to start looking at well what is the amount that I need to charge in order to make this this viable and worthwhile and that can seem like a really big jump
0: if you've been used to giving up the freemium stuff mm, interesting interesting I think it also to a certain extent means you you have to get much more, a much more loyal audience, a much more loyal community. So you mm-hmm. can't just have an audience, you have to have a community of people that you're really actively engaged with. Yeah. And they have to be so, so much more bought into you in order to be able to get them to pay you for stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, where. Uh, where Some people who quite like you might have been willing to pay for a lower offer and you can get much more, maybe more of them. You know, if you are a voice amongst all the many voices, you have to bring in the people who who really love you and like show them some love back again. (laughs) And it has to be much more kind of a, a stronger relationship in order to then be able to make that step up into, like you say, a bigger offer that that's more worth your time totally and then then we get
1: into the you can't be generic
0: Mm, mm. and
1: one of the I think one of the advantages being a a small business owner a solo business owner is we can really infuse our services and our brands with our personality but that brings with it a whole host of vulnerability And Mm, yeah
0: yeah and then where do you draw
1: the line of how much do I share about myself and 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 that Can become exhausting. You know, do I have to show up on social media every day and share a little bit of my soul? And am I, yeah, reduced to taking pictures of my dinner to put on Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) That in itself can be, you know, can be quite exhausting. Sure. So yeah, there's this whole. It's it's a very personal, vulnerable thing. I think when you run a service based business, or when you run, you know, even a product based business that's very personal to you that's very personality driven yeah Um, and that's when we get into this this it's not as we can't distance ourselves from the oh it costs this much to make and therefore Mm -hmm. my markup is it's x number of of pounds it's it's much more ephemeral and hard to pin down and we have so much of our self-worth tied up and yeah it it becomes a big (laughs) A big ball of yarn that we need to untangle, emotional yarn.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so I feel like this is the kind of thing where you've got the people who know that this is an issue for them. Mm-hmm. And then you've probably got some people who are kind of a bit in denial about it. Like they want to run their business mm-hmm. um, and they want to ask for, they, they want to have a successful business and that's the kind of the conscious bit. And then they're, maybe they've got a block around this, the, the moment they ask for money
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so it, it kind of somehow doesn't happen so can you can you talk about some of the signs that someone has this block around asking for money so that any of our listeners who might be in that position can kind of see if they relate to any of this stuff
1: well I'll share a very personal experience of when I um first started so I I I I'm an accidental business owner in many ways as well because (laughs) I first started my business because people were, I I was uh, working within learning and development in a a local authority and doing a lot of coaching and people would start asking me, oh, would you do some coaching for, for my sister-in-law? You know, she, she's going through a bit of a hard time. She could really do with that. And I'd be like, yeah, she goes, how much would it be? And I go, oh, no charge, no charge. Mates rights, no charge. And, and and sometimes these these conversations would get a little bit testy because they'd be like, mm. well, well, no, no, you can't do it for free. I'd I pay for your time. I could, buy me a drink at the next kind of. And I was so uncomfortable mm. with that whole idea of charging. And then after a while, after you know, I was charging really, really low amounts, and I I kind of looked at my numbers. By this point, I'd been made redundant. I had to you know I had to really get my 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 shoes together mm-hmm. and th- looking at okay here's actually what I need to 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 be earning so here's actually what I need to be charging and I mm-hmm. can remember it like an out-of-body experience I had a call with somebody to discuss potentially working with me yeah and I knew what my new fee was going to be for working with me and they were really enthusiastic and they were saying all those kind of oh my god yeah that sounds great yeah and I heard myself say an amount out of my mouth that was half the amount that was the amount I was going to be charging. And right. I almost had that, what the hell moment? As I carried yeah. on talking, and then my mouth carried on burbling away. And I, I said, I know that's a lot of money. I know that's a really lot of money. <gasps> I know, awful. Oh. Um, in the end, this person didn't end up working with me because they kind of thought, what a bubbling idiot, probably. But it was such an insight into, oh, I am not okay with, you know, there's this real gap between where I know I need to be and where I am right now. And so I had yeah. to do quite a lot of deep work about what is that about?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so that that's one of them. Mm. I see people doing lots and lots and lots of free stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you do the, um, go, go, have my, 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 my free download and then I'm doing a free challenge and then I'm doing another free challenge and then I'm going to be doing free meditation sessions in my Facebook group. And then I'm doing mm-hmm. free like that and then there'll maybe be one or two posts or, or, or emails about, and you can pay me for this by the way. And then here's some more free stuff. Yeah. So it's almost like giving away so much free stuff. Mm that in some ways there'd be no need for somebody to be paying you or not making Mm -hmm. it clear if you are giving away lots and lots of of free content free services not making it clear what is the the real benefit of actually paying you for your paid services yeah so i'm not saying don't give it away for free you can offer loads and loads of, of great value but be really clear about why should somebody pay you what is the real benefit and actually the real benefit when somebody's paid you is normally that they're gonna have that maybe that that real intense one-on-one attention and they're going to you know be able to get so much more more done and so much more achieved by having that one-on-one support that they could never get from the group stuff or or taking up the um the 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 free stuff but it's a real kind of mental shift that we need to make as business owners to kind of say what is the value of working with me and then we get into all kinds of self-worth and all of that good stuff which yeah
0: yeah yeah it's almost it sounds like from what you're saying as well that people kind of drown the offer in the free things Mm -hmm. like there's so much for free and then oh by the way I also do this paid thing so it's like the paid offer is hidden behind or lost within the free things as well as kind of not showing the 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 value and the extent to which there is a value added from from taking up the paid offer but it's almost like like hiding it <laughs> in yes. amongst in amongst it
1: yes and another thing that i see driving this is we really want to be good people doing good things. Mm. So for so many people, we see the inequality in the world and we mm. think, I want to be able to give value. I don't want to, you know, be out of reach for the number of people who who need what I have to offer. You know, it's coming mm. from a very good place. And I think that 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 sometimes we're kind of playing out or, or despair at the inequality of the world and not recognizing that actually that isn't within our power to solve on our own. And so where can we do our bit to, you know, maybe offer some stuff that is accessible to people, but without sacrificing ourselves and our well-being and our income in the process. And that's sometimes a difficult line to walk for, you know, if you want to be somebody who's good in the world. The thing is, though, there is a massive difference between you charging what may seem to some people like a a huge chunk of money to work with you and you becoming Jeff Bezos.
2: You know, you
1: you will not become, uh, you know, an aggressive capitalist and one of the 0.001% stripping the world of all its resources and creating
0: all the ills of yeah. the world simply yeah.
1: by making a decent living so that you can you can financially thrive
0: yeah 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 that's that's very very true that's very very true I'm relating to some of this I have to say <laughs> I'm, I'm quite uh is this causing, giving me pause for thought um I do this on... work
1: because I you know this is me this has been my journey as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: again relatable relatable (laughs) and I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this for a second we're gonna take a little sponsor break at this point and when we come back we're gonna talk a little bit about some psychology that I know of that's behind this and I'll I'll get your thoughts on this too as well as some more advice from you on how we can uh, improve our ability to ask for money Okay, welcome back. I'm talking to accidental business coach, Joe Casey. <laughs> we're talking about asking people for money. Um, so I I think one of the things that is interesting about this and kind of uh, the, when we decided we were going to talk about this topic, one of the things that, that immediately clicked for me is there's a bit of behavioral science behind this that really um, stands out to me. And I thought, we could have a little chat about that. So uh, I read about this in Predictably Irrational, which is Dan Ariely's book, but I'm sure it's been covered in other places, that when, you, when money gets involved, relationships fundamentally change. And um, the example that he uses in this, which I think is kind of relevant in our conversation, is if you imagine having two of your neighbours are hosting sort of parties in the run-up to the holidays and you attend both parties, if you brought one neighbor a bottle of wine and the other neighbor, you turned up at their party and gave them 50 quid in cash, right? Um, sorry, but he says $50, which makes a lot more sense. 50 quid is quite a lot, um, but yeah, you gave them $50 in cash. Um, and then the next week you needed to move a heavy piece of furniture and you asked your neighbors to help he says, which one do you expect to respond? And it's probably the one you gave the wine to. And the one you gave the cash to would probably say, well, how much are you gonna pay me if I'm gonna move your sofa? Um, and that's because when you give money, you turned the relationship from one of kind of mutual favors to um, to a transactional relationship in which people expect to get paid. Um, and I think there's something in that that sort of precision of value change when money starts to become involved which we've kind of talked about already but there's something as well in the the change of relationship from a kind of mutual back scratching almost to a clearly transactional one um I wondered if you kind of had any thoughts or feelings about that
1: yeah I I do because I think especially the way that women and folks who identify as women are socialized. We are socialized as the carers, the nurturers, and our relationships are our capital, if you like. Mm,
2: Um,
1: Because we weren't traditionally in the workplace. We weren't traditionally business owners. It's only been the past kind of, you know, 50, 60 years that we've, we've really been doing that en masse. And if you look at the area of, say, business that is, very much dominated by 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 women. You look at the multi level marketing space, Oof. and multi level marketing is all about. I mean, apart from the fact that it's such a con and oh, you know, yeah, nobody makes any money out of it, is just the worst. But one of the the things about that is women are encouraged to use and manipulate and exploit that social capital to mm. cajole, convince, persuade their friends to buy these crappy useless products off of them (laughs) um and I think a lot of the um the kind of this discomfort that people have I don't know if you've ever been you know had a friend get in touch I remember once being invited by a friend I'd not seen in ages and Mm. she said I'm gonna be in your area she lives about 60 70 miles away from me I'm gonna be in your area in a couple of weekends would you like to meet up oh that's lovely and I get there and it's this big MLM event I thought I'm meeting her for coffee and it was like yeah I thought you wanted to meet up with me but actually I'm a I'm a potential customer for you and that I think Mm. really damages relationships and trust so then when you take or the kind of mishmash of business advice that is is out there one of the things that we have to i think separate is our friendships and our relationships that are based on that that mutual equal trust and exchange of energy and the, the customer relationship and we have to have and I'm not saying don't work with, with your friends but mm. we have to be quite clear about where those boundaries are because otherwise it is so ripe for resentment or for yeah. just it to start to feel really uncomfortable and I think it's it's really unhealthy. And it's one of those things that I think is as women especially we really struggle with I say that my husband for many years was a flooring contractor and a carpet fitter and there was many a time that he would you know put in a a, a free carpet for a neighbor or something like that so (laughs) yeah but I think there's a difference when you do that from a place of real generosity and and choice and when you're doing that all of the time because you can't then set that boundary and say no actually this is my job this is what I do for a living Mm, and you know I deserve to be paid properly for that so I I think having that kind of clear delineation is really important and the MLM uh, industry has really really damaged an awful lot of of the the way that we look at doing business I think
0: Mm, That's really interesting. That was not something I expected to have come up in the school, but that's really, really interesting.
1: I, I think that there's a difference between um, what we take as as meaning and value and purpose, mm. and I think that there can be a real almost like dismissal of mm-hmm. the importance of things when we just put a price on it. Mm-hmm. You know, when we just put like a fee on it. So if I'm working towards something, if I'm if I'm involved in something, may you know I get lots of reward from it that are not just monetary. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, you know, the the fact that I'm I can feel like I'm contributing to something larger. Even you know, even if it's just, I don't know, picking up litter, it's making the the place look better or I'm 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 part of the community or I'm getting some social interaction. Although I'm a massive introvert, so that wouldn't apply to Mm. me that much or you know I'm getting outside or or whatever it may be maybe I might be getting able to express my creativity or you know it helps my self-esteem but if you reduce it down to here's just your fee just go and do whatever here that it it negates a lot of those I think additional values and and repayments that we get from doing things does that make sense Mm.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Um, it's interesting because it's almost as if, if you get these other values from what you do, Mm -hmm. are you then still allowed to charge? Ah, yes.
1: Because I think that's that's where certainly a lot of the people that I work with, um, or, uh, you know, they're, they're in they're doing caring stuff they're doing stuff that they get a lot out of a lot of people when they run their own business it's because actually this is something I'm good at I get a lot of satisfaction from this I get to express myself and so there can then be this thought of is it fair to charge for it then (laughs) and I know that there's times when I've kind of thought you know what I would do this for free it's so much fun I would do this for free you know I've got a my friends or or my coach will say but that doesn't mean you should do it for free
0: you can have both yes
1: you know and isn't that a wild idea that we can get paid really well for something and we can enjoy
0: it yes and I think that is where part of where we get to this like it's almost like there's a sort of puritanical idea that you can't have too much of of the good things Mm -hmm. like like you, yeah you can't have a lot of fun and still get paid or if you're going to get paid you'd better be miserable for it
1: yeah yeah I can remember having a boss once when I was really quite young he said well you don't come into work to enjoy yourself I was, like, what? I, I was struck me some a really strange thing to say well why why do we do it then why not
0: absolutely yeah yeah I mean you might not enjoy yourself old misery yeah um, <laughs> well it doesn't mean the rest of us can't mm. completely completely yeah um. So so, let's let's talk about how we can get past this mentality because this mm-hmm. is this is not helping people thinking like this. Struggling to struggling to make that ask and get paid mm-hmm. is not great. Right. So, um, it, what what kind of things do you say to your to your coaching clients? How can we get past this?
1: Well, I think one of the first things is well, let's look at at, at just let's just pull out some of the the, the beliefs. Do you mm-hmm. believe you have a right to? earn an amount of money that you can thrive on not just survive on but thrive on and what would mm-hmm. that amount be for you one of the big um kind of eye openers for a lot of people is when we look at okay so what do you want to earn mm. oh you know look at the course of the year and then we break it down into so how many days do you want to be working you know let's mm-hmm. take out weekends let's take out bank holidays let's take out let's assume you're going to take out the the normal um amount of of holidays, would you like to have some time off in case you're sick? Would you like to, you know, go away for a week or two? You know, how much? You, so, how many days are you then left with? And mm. then we break down things. So, how many? How much time proportionally does it take you to bring in a client or to, mm. um, whatever type of work that you do? And what most people find really quickly is that, oh, actually, the amount of time that you have available to do that the actual client work or to sell the thing that you're selling is really, really small compared to the amount of time it will take you to make that thing or market that thing or sell that thing or train for that thing or prepare for that thing. So you just mm-hmm. look at it, even if you just look at it from a cold, hard numbers perspective, and I am not a numbers person, but this is really, really useful because I think what a lot of us assume, and if we go into it, especially if you're doing service-based stuff if we've moved from a oh this is what my hourly rate used to be and you know and suddenly I'm charging maybe a hundred pounds for a session or something for example mm. that's like this enormously and, and and if you put that to clients and say it's a hundred pounds an hour to work with me then immediately mm-hmm. people are going to go hundred pounds an hour well I don't get paid hundred pounds an hour just be all right but it's maybe taken you, I don't know, 10 hours or five hours to be able to be able to do that one hours of work. Mm. So moving away from that, what's my hourly rate is really, really useful because you get to look at what is the, how long does it take me to bring in a client? So how much does it actually cost for my time?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's really important.
1: And what most people find is they're massively undercharging. Because, you know, if you're charging £25 an hour, but you only actually have time to speak to five clients a week, that's maybe not going to be enough. (laughs) No, no, not really. You know? So so looking at it from that perspective, so you know what's your minimum that you need to be charging in order to be able to thrive? And I think it's really important to have that as the baseline because anything less than that you are that's not an equal relationship and and mm-hmm. I think that's really important because many of us go into this idea of asking for the money is oh, I'm asking them to give me something and I'm being really unfair so you need to know what you what's the minimum that you need so that you know well I'm not being really unfair that's the minimum that I need and then we start to look at well what you know is it wrong to charge money what are your beliefs about money does mm-hmm. you charging more than that hundred pounds or whatever it might be, does that make you a terrible person? Is it possible to be a good person and earn more than the bare minimum? So we can really get into people's beliefs around this and it can throw up some fascinating stuff. Yeah. What do you think of people who are wealthy? What do you think of people who are you know not wealthy and all of that stuff? Mm-hmm. So that we can look at it with a bit less of that kind of knee jerk emotion mm-hmm. and then I do I do this thing with people, which is not scientific at all. But when it comes to 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 working out the the, the kind of price, is is to do a gut check. Right. Let's just let's just keep increasing it until you hit the point where you feel slightly nauseous. Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're really going to throw up you've gone too far so maybe it's like we started like 70 pounds how does that feel okay 80 pounds how's that feel? that's okay 90 Mm -hmm. oh feeling a bit queasy 110 pounds oh no 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 okay let's take it back down to 100 does that feel Mm -hmm. yeah i feel a bit queasy about it but but yeah um and then we know where our kind of parameters are and where we can start to increase things if we need Mm -hmm. to yeah the other yeah. thing that's really really obvious and it's really really simple is write the price down and stick it on your computer or stick it on your phone or something. You know that time mm-hmm. when I shared where I, I this whole different price came out of my mouth?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Have it in front of you. Practice saying it out loud practice saying it to your you know the mirror in the morning practice saying it to the cat to the dog you to your partner so Mm -hmm. that you get used to saying that number out loud sometimes it's like desensitization therapy
2: Mm. for
1: us because logically if you're at a place where you know it's not terrible that I'm charging this amount of money this is Mm -hmm. a very reasonable amount of money for me to be charging um and you know I I I take no judgment about what you deem to be a reasonable amount of money. That That's not what this is about. But if you have that, that knowledge that, yeah, this is actually reasonable, this is a really good exchange for my mm-hmm. time, for my skill, mm-hmm. then it's like it's just practicing it out loud until yeah. you can get to the point where you're desensitized to it.
0: It's much easier to say yeah. it. Yeah. I think one of the things that's that's also useful for yourself is to be really, really solid about the difference you make for people. Because ultimately, the thing that, I mean, this is what what Jasper said in our previous episode, and it's what a lot of people say when you're talking about, specifically about pricing, but it it does apply um, when you're talking about just going from offering free stuff to offering um, a a paid service. You know, knowing the the difference that you make for people what are you offering of Mm -hmm. value here? What do they experience that will, Mm -hmm. what change do they experience? Because when you can compare the difference that you make for people against the fee that you're charging them, whether that's an Mm -hmm. hourly rate or whether it's a product price, and you can say with confidence that what you will get out of your, of your interaction with me, the thing that I am offering for this money is hugely more valuable to you than the price you're paying for it Mm. um then you know suddenly it's not scary to ask for the money because you're like well obviously you're going to get so much more out of this than just the value you're paying me so pay me because Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and i wonder whether that's actually where some of the fear comes from like you're afraid that you're not offering enough value for the cash
1: yeah, and sometimes it's about reframing that 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 value, especially when you're dealing with stuff that is maybe a little bit ephemeral, you know, it's uh, because if you if you're dealing with a service or you're dealing with, I don't know, art or or something like that, it's it it can maybe sometimes feel a little bit hard to quantify that, but if you think about it, what, you know, if you if you create art, that's going to make somebody's day just that bit more beautiful every single day it's going to bring you a little bit of joy every single day if you help people to feel better about their finances and alleviate mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of that stress well how valuable is that it's bloody priceless in my experience Think sometimes it can be helpful to compare it to other ways that people spend their money to help themselves to feel better so I always use the example mm. of going on holiday so yeah. in psychology they've, they've kind of looked at what's the kind of the well-being bounce that people get mm-hmm. when they go on holiday and how long does it last and actually yes people get a bounce in their their, their well-being when they they go away but that goes back to its previous baseline level within days of returning. Whereas yeah. if you are helping people to, say, handle their stress a bit better or feel mm. better about themselves, and that's going to last for months, maybe even years, and then there's going to be a ripple effect potentially of yeah. every single person that that person you've helped interact with, then that's amazing. That is that worth more than what they'd have spent on a holiday? Mm-hmm. of course it is yeah. so sometimes yeah. being able to compare it to what are some of the other ways that people you know s- spend their money um, I'm always amazed at people who spend lots of money on cars and things cars mean nothing to me but like my mm-hmm. brother always gets the top of the range whatever in whatever car he's getting <laughs> I'm like that wouldn't nah, that doesn't do it for me but you mm-hmm. know give me a training course that'll teach me how to do x y and z and I'm there baby you know mm-hmm. yeah. so where people uh, what people spend their money on can can really give you some insight into what people value and you yeah. just need to apply that to what you're offering yeah a lot yeah, of the time yeah. the value is priceless it's really hard to put a a, a a you know a pound or dollar amount on it
0: yeah that that reminds me of something i saw on instagram earlier today where somebody was talking about paying $50 for a, you know, an hour of somebody's time for help with something versus, you know, this person will spend $50 easily on a bra that doesn't fit, right? <laughs> like mm, which one is going to give yes. you more value, an uncomfortable bra <laughs> yes. or um, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or an hour of, of somebody's time to help you fix a problem. Now, yeah. $50, as we were saying earlier, is, is, you know, it's a bottle of wine. It's, it's not that mm-hmm. huge an amount of money. So judge more than $50 people, um, but also, you know, be better value than an ill-fitting bra. Um, Cause you are, you are. Um, yeah, that's, yes, so, so, so true. Um, jo, any, any other advice or thoughts for people who are, are just having difficulty getting over that hump of saying like, okay, pay me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sometimes doing a bit of role play. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like saucy role play or anything like that. I mean, just that, that kind of, you know, let, us run through, you pretend to be the client. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run through my, um, uh, my, my kind of pitch, if you like. And I always mm. recommend that people spend much more time focusing on what is the value that they provide one of my go-to phrases that all of my mm-hmm. clients will roll their eyes when they hear me say this is so that you can. So rather than kind of saying "and I'll give you an hour's worth of my time, three times a week, or we provide this report for you so that you can, what mm. what's the value of doing that if you're going to meet with them every other week so that you can keep momentum and make incremental progress if it's going to nice. be we'll write this report so that you can have all of that data and information at your fingertips whenever you need to yeah so it's it's start with the with the value when you're going through that kind of practicing what am what am i going to say mm. and then another thing that i i kind of Found is really useful. You just kind of take a pause and take a breath and say, How does that sound? Mm-hmm. And people will normally either kind of go, That sounds brilliant, or mm, Yeah, sounds good. And if there are the other people in the sounds brilliant, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is this something you've like? got? You, are you interested in the price? Do you you know, do, should we have a conversation about that? So you can kind of ask permission at each point in the conversation Mm. you don't have to feel like you have to do this really awkward segue into so the price then would be but you know (laughs) (laughs) so it becomes a conversation a permission-based conversation rather than just kind of having to launch straight into this awful pattern that we're told that we're we're to have (laughs) and if it's the person who's kind of going yeah it's, it's okay then you kind of can go back and kind of say well what would make it valuable for you yeah. And maybe they're not your ideal person. And so maybe you get to save yourself the pain or the, the discomfort mm. of saying, well, this is how much it would be. You get to also say, I, this doesn't sound like it's quite what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And you also yeah. get to have that, that agency and, and have that power to be able to do that. It's yeah. It's just all about making sure that you are really rooted and reminding yourself of what you have is really hot stuff. What you have is really valuable to the right people. There are going to be some people it's not going to be a great fit for, but for the right people, it's really valuable. So the more you can remind yourself of how valuable it is, whether that be collecting testimonials or getting feedback from clients or one of my friends and mentors calls it a yum and a yay folder. Mm-hmm. So you collect the, the, you know, the positive feedback that you have when people send you the really nice email. Go, oh my god, that was so nice! Or mm-hmm. um you collect all of those. So on the days when you are feeling less than sparkly, you can have a look at that and kind of remind yourself of, yeah, pretty good at what I do. For the right people, I provide some really good, valuable stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think I think even going beyond that into like really paying attention to making a note of any really tangible differences mm. that you've made to people so that you are able to talk about those in that value conversation yeah. um you know so i've been testing out a product um with some sort of people i know um and sort of acquaintances friends of friends mostly um and one of them said Oh, it's great, but I only did one of the actions out of the twenty odd that that were suggested on your list, and I said, "Okay." Um, so, what did you get out of that that one action that you did? And she told me, and and she'd saved about six hundred pounds a year, but she hadn't realised it. Oh wow! But she hadn't realised it because she hadn't um, she she'd not she just thought, "Oh, I've only done one action," mm. but actually, that one action was was really powerful in terms of the difference it made for her finances. And for me, that testimonial is really powerful, right? Um, Because even if you only do one small action out of this, I bet you will save is, you know, great, Mm. like happy days, (laughs) Uh (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, so, you know, being able to find those tangibles wherever you can will really give you much more confidence in charging for the things you want to charge for. Yeah yeah absolutely for sure amazing um joe this has been a blast thank you so much you're so <laughs> welcome
1: we could just do this once a week anyway just between us
0: <laughs> well we we probably could and we probably should um but maybe not maybe not for our listeners um they don't need to hear this every single time um also i have so many other awesome people to bring on the show so just, true. Yeah. um any any last words for our listeners in terms of in terms of advice or thoughts
1: only that i think it's really exciting that so many of us now have this these tools that we can you know build businesses in ways that you know years ago We'd have had to have gone to a bank manager and get someone to lend us some money or borrow it from some dodgy bloke down the pub or whatever. And now, you know, you can start something with your laptop and a microphone and a a Wi Fi connection. And that's great. And it's really exciting. And that means that many more of us are starting businesses and running businesses that maybe don't look like businesses that you've seen a lot of before. And that's great. And it means that there are many of us who are kind of pioneers and shaping this you know this this online space and and providing services in ways that we haven't done before and it can be lonely being a pioneer as well and so finding Mm. fellow travelers is really really important because you may be the only person that you know in your circle of friends and family who are running a business and wrestling with these things and maybe the only other person you know is somebody who's like I don't know an accountant or has a Mm. a different type of business to you and just because they have one particular way of looking at it at things doesn't mean that it's the only way of looking at things so if you have people around you who are you know maybe just don't get it, what what it's like and, and some of the struggles that you're having. Find your community of people who do. There are lots of business communities out there. There are, you know, Facebook groups and there are masterminds and networking groups that you can, you can join for, for the weirdies who are starting these businesses and running these, these, these businesses. Um, and it can be really beneficial to have those fellow travellers, the people who just, get it and and can you know cheer you up and celebrate and do all of those things with you.
0: Amazing. On which note if people want to be one of your fellow travelers, mm-hmm. where can they find you? If you go to casey.com
1: that's my website, you can find me at Joe Casey b just the letter B, on Instagram and Facebook. And I have a Facebook group called the Unshiny Business Owners Facebook group. And you can get all the links for that from my instagram or from my website and yeah and the unshiny podcast i would love to have you in my my community if if that's the kind of thing that you fancy
0: and also joe sells products go buy them Great.
1: Yes, yes, I do. But um, you'll find all of the, the details on there on my my website. But um, yeah, and I, I talk a lot about this kind of stuff because it's my journey too. I forget to mention that I have products <laughs> you can go and buy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that that's been so much fun. We will link to all of your stuff from the show notes. It, this has been really, really great, Joe. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll have you back at some point. Thank you. This has been a blast. You've been listening to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money with me, Martha Lawton. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love one of those nice five-star reviews too. Or you can tell a friend about us, maybe somewhere on social media where we're at Squanderlust Pod. You can also find us at squanderlustpod.com, where we put show notes, useful links, and ways to support the show. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Alicia Cunningham, Charlie Brandon King, and Tom Berry. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios, and graphic design by Jason Reed.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince.